Hi, and welcome to And Introducing, a podcast about artists in their own words. I'm Chris Wade. I'm Molly O'Brien. And introducing on lead vocals, lead dancing, center stage, songwriting, and just about everything else a singer, songwriter, performer can do, Mm. it's Madonna, Mm. the original pop sensation of the 80s, 90s, and beyond. And today. And today. The 80s, 90s, and today. Uh, Molly, what are we going to do today? So this is going to be a little different format-wise. As far as I know, Madonna has not written a memoir yet, although I look forward to that very much when it happens. It's kind of shocking she hasn't. It's very weird. That being said, she has said a lot about herself in her own words. So today we are going to dig into one of the most iconic print interview she's done which was in 1991 part of a rolling stone cover story when she is promoting her documentary truth or dare uh, which covered her 1990 tour and the interviewer is carrie fisher the carrie fisher carrie fisher r.i.p r.i.p i would say rest in peace but rest in you know in just like craziness in a good way yes uh, this is uh, an in- interview that I had no idea existed. Mm-hmm. I was aware of this. I'm like a I I read my I read my fair share of Rolling Stone. My father was a a subscriber because apparently that's a thing that you used to be able to do to magazines and you would pay them money and they would deliver um he didn't, words printed on paper to he your didn't house. Just go to rollingstone.com to get all his hot fresh Bruce Springsteen no, news. No, they actually brought a bound uh paper magazine to your house um every week. I'm unfamiliar with this process. I know it was it was weird, uh, but cool. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so this is Can you imagine waiting a week to, you know, like see the next cover round. of the new L C D sound system album or something? I can't imagine. I need to make fun of that shit online today. <laughs> Do you need to vent about the cover of LCD Sound System's new album? Do I need to What's com- it called again? American Dream. Okay. That need- sounds like a Madonna album. It looks like a uh, sub Ben and Jerry's flavor <laughs> level of design and hey, articulate. Ben and Jerry's graphic design is on point. It looks uh, like worse than a high schooler's Instagram of a sunset. Aww. Le- well, not worse. Less effort put into it. Sure. Uh, but anyway, I can complain about James Murphy later. At yes. least, at least the songs are still good. We hope. We hope. Anyway, this this is an interview that ran in two parts over two issues, uh, and it has been generally described as one of Madonna's sort of signature talks. So we're going to talk about what she talked about. Um, great, Molly. How do you feel about Madonna? I love Madonna. So one thing I was thinking about, which was just how I feel like we don't, I don't appreciate what Madonna was. I'm 27 years old. The first time Madonna inserted herself into my consciousness was not, you know, when she was writhing on the floor in her underwear at the VMAs and like pissing everybody off. It was really her making out with Britney Spears, mm, which people have, some people have referred to as the kiss of death because <laughs> Britney's career was never the same afterwards. Um, and kind of neither was Christina's, actually. She kind of... Madonna sucked life force energy out of them. Madonna is a, is a pop music vampire. Hey, how many times have each of those people played the Super Bowl? I don't know. 
I believe the answer is once. One. Each one has been once. No, Madonna has done it once. Britney had did the Super Bowl. Oh, really? But she she wasn't the sole headliner. It was like Britney, Insync, and um, oh, like Nelly or Aerosmith or both Ooh. or neither. It was like a combination where I feel like they just cobbled a bunch of people together. You know how like two on. 2012 was yeah, it's yeah. crazy i mean there was a lot of uh super bowl programming that i felt had to like hit all the bases where they're like uh we need an old guitar guy and a young hot girl and uh give me some of those boys that can sing and dance real well yeah give me some and, uh, like leathery old men and then like a fresh young nymphette whose and s- navel is just just bare just, and yeah. glistening <laughs> For, for all the football men to gaze lustily at. It was uh, Aerosmith, NSYNC, and Britney Spears. Well, was also Nelly there? Because I feel like you also had to get a, one of those rap guys into it. I don't think he was there. I think I just inserted him there in my mind. That sounds about um, right, though. Just Googling Britney Spears Super Bowl, it's all these news items being like, Britney won't perform in 2018. <laughs> Britney's in talks. She reportedly wants to headline. She's not going to. Uh, <laughs> that's a bummer. We Here in uh, August 2017, we live in a, a Schrodinger's Spears performance in which Britney Spears is simultaneously is and is not <laughs> performing in Super Bowl 2018. Yes. Soon it will be confirmed one way or another, but for this glorious moment, we get to live in a world in Hang which that is balance. and is not the future. Yeah, it feels good. And bad. And bad. Yeah. Both both the outcomes could be either good or bad. Um, Anyway, so Madonna, Madonna has been, has loomed large in in my pop memory, but always as the elder stateswoman, Mm -hmm. never as the Mm -hmm. innovator. And every time she's had a single, it always seems like she's sort of chasing that hipness, like that song she did with Justin Timberlake, Four Minutes, and I don't think that was like an amazing song. And then she tried to like retroactively be really into ecstasy on like two albums ago. MDNA? MDNA, yeah, like, oh, Madonna, come on. I kind of like that. the best Madonna song from the period of time in which I was like alive and conscious is definitely Ray of Light. Ray of Light freaking love Ray of Light. That's a great song. That one of the things that you could take for granted about her now is how genuinely controversial she was yes. in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And also, which, if you're our age, I feel like you'd maybe hear about, but don't really fully understand the, the yes. extent. It's hard to imagine even our most avant garde pop stars, our Lady Gaga's, mm-hmm. doing something in which the Vatican would issue a statement yes. saying, Lady Gaga, please stop doing whatever you're doing. Lady Gaga would probably die for that. Yes. That's the best publicity oh there my is. God. And it now the Pope do. is never saying shit like that. Yes. He's too busy talking about global warming. Ugh, uh, yeah. Boring. We need an outraged Pope again. A Pope who is just scandalized by these young women rubbing crucifixes all over their live, naked bodies. <laughs> I must state that I do not like where she put the crucifix. I don't think Jesus would like it either. Um, but yeah, that stuff Love was... Love Pontifex. XO, XO, Pontifex. Yeah, it, she was genuinely a scandal maker. Uh, in that time. Also, the 80s were just a much more easily outraged decade mm-hmm. in a way that I find really interesting because that that stuff seems very, very foreign. Yeah. Uh, even like post-millennial. Um, not the generation, like the millennium, mm. the the actual date. Like that that kind of... I mean, we're, at, we're outraged about 
lots of small things, but not scandalized as a culture about things like the idea of a young woman's sexuality. Yes. Which, you know, is progress in its own way. Yeah. Now there are... Now we just get particular about things like twerking. Is it bad or good? Is it... Yeah. Or like the adjectives used to describe various fandoms on Tumblr. (laughs) Uh, Which, you know, are often interesting discussions to have, but certainly not in the limelight in the way of, say, Madonna Mm -hmm. in her virgin tour. She did it first. So this interview that we do, that we're going to do, came out in 1991. 91. 91. Um, but I thought to get us there, I would take just a second and run us down Madonna's career Please. up until then, just to give us a sense of where she is. So yes. uh, this is going to be a, a pretty uh, basic overview of, of her life, more centered on her, her pre-career life, just to give a sense of, of her background um, getting there. So um, the lady is Madonna. <laughs> 1958. Born Madonna Louise Ciccone. Ciccone. It's Italian. It must be Ciccone. 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 All right. I'm going with that. Born Madonna Louise Ciccone. Ciccone. Okay. <coughs> Born. Wait. First, first one phrase in. Isn't it crazy that her birth name is Madonna? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And it could not be a more appropriate stage name for her stage persona. I really don't know how many Madonnas there were before then. Her mom's name is Madonna. Okay. So def- definitely one. One. At least one. One confirmed Madonna. Besides like, you know, the Madonna. Yes. Uh, I, I can't <laughs> believe that. You would assume that that's a, a stage name, mm-hmm. but she is just all the way through Madonna. Authenticity. Yeah. <laughs> also, can you just <laughs> imagine being a pop star? And like in giant letters behind you, it's just saying Molly <laughs> <laughs> or like Chris. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, no, it is. It is funny to just have like, you know, the name that people have called you your, your entire, entire life, life becomes an, like an, an iconic, iconic moniker. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems very silly if it is a name just like, you know, 50 foot high flaming letters that just say Chris. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't I, I would want something cooler than there, that. I mean, I don't think there is a definitive I mean, there are there's a glut of Chris's, right? So I have to be the one that that uses just the name Chris, yeah, the solo name. Yeah, that's gonna be tough between yeah. like you know the rocks and the pines and the, uh, you know all those other. Well, that's why I just go as and the, the crosses, the Chris crosses. I I just go by the Chris. Okay, great. Go to thechriswade.com. That's my website, actually. <laughs> <coughs> 1958, born Madonna Louise Ciccone in Michigan to Catholic parents Silvio Anthony, quote, Tony Ciccone Mm. and Madonna Mm. Louise Fortin. She is named after her mother. Um, Her mother dies of breast cancer in 1963 when Madonna is five. Madonna herself was not really told about her mother's sickness or how severe it was. So the... uh, the death came as a bit of a shock to her, mm-hmm. which I, I think is, is interesting. She was aware that something was weird, but not that her mother was literally dying. Jesus. Uh, mom dies, and in 1966, her father, Tony, remarries the family housekeeper, Joan, uh, which causes a little resentment in the young Madonna. She recalled uh, herself later in an interview with Vanity Fair as a, quote, lonely girl who was searching for something. I wasn't rebellious in a certain way. I cared about being good at something. I didn't shave my underarms and I didn't wear makeup like normal girls do, but I studied and I got good grades. I wanted to be somebody. So at a very young age. Not shaving the pits. Yeah. Not shaving the pits in pursuit of those good grades. No time. Straight A's. I mean, it's one or the other. Yeah. 
it takes a long time to get the perfect all the nooks and crannies. Yeah, and in there. those times you could be memorizing. You could your be time studying. Tables. Yeah, it's like, what do you want in life? Yeah, shaved pits or perfect grades. Definitely the latter. The latter. Speaking of, she was a straight A high school student uh, and got a scholarship to study dance at University of Michigan School of Music. Um, I don't. I guess dance, good grades, and dance are, are intertwined, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, she got a she's got a scholarship. She's a great student. She was always extremely bright. Uh, though she had a penchant for uh, doing car wheels and hanging upside down by the monkey bars uh, and doing other and hiking her skirt up. Uh, basically, doing a lot of activities in pursuit of letting the boys see her underwear. Ooh, yeah, smart. Yeah, uh, which I think is telling of where she goes. So she goes <laughs> to. Um, University of Michigan to study theater and dance, and in 1978, uh, at the age of 20, she drops out of college and moves to New York City. Oh, my God. To pursue dance professionally. Uh, She was working as a waitress at Dunkin' Donuts. Wait, I'm so confused. I thought that you would uh, pick up on that. They had table service back in the day? I didn't delve into this, but I don't know what a waitress in Dunkin' Donuts quite means also i don't know when dunkin donuts starts i kind of only Im- imagine it existing when i learned that it exists which was not until like, i think the late dunkin aughts. started in like the late 60s or something it's mm-hmm. been around for a while but like extremely regional yeah. i didn't realize that like people in california like most of them probably have never look had, i didn't see a dunkin, dunkin donuts until i went away to college uh so <laughs> they don't I, have dunkin in ohio nope i see that we got, we got some krispy creams though that's fine, but Duncan is a lifestyle. I, I fully that agree. you sense, I think. Oh, I live. I live that Dunk life. Yeah. Well, you, it's not Dunkin' Donuts anymore. It's just Duncan. But I can still live that Dunk life. Yeah. Hashtag that Dunk life. Uh, so she's a waitress at Dunkin' Donuts, which mm-hmm. we can only speculate what exactly that means. Right. Bringing those piping fresh hot donuts to tableside, taking orders for whatever the 1978 version of like a sausage croissant which is. Probably a sausage for sandwich. We probably made probably just a plain. Do- I just assume that no one eats any flavors of anything until at least like 1998. Yeah. It's all just you want plain. Yeah, she's like you we've want got- coffee with milk. She's like we got maple donuts now, and all the clients are like, "What is this, France? <laughs> plain donut, stale flavored. <laughs> what? How do I like it? Old, old, beige, uh, round, <laughs> hole in the middle." Uh, so she's and while she's waitressing, she's studying uh, at the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. So she's oh, she went to Alvin Ailey. She is a legit dancer. Cool. Uh, in this time, uh, while performing as a backup dancer for disco artist Patrick Hernandez, mm-hmm. uh, who look even as a disco fan, I had not heard of, but his stuff is pretty sick. Born to be alive. Born to be alive. I think we all were born to be alive. Yeah. Well, it's, actually, it's kind of a tautology, isn't it? Eh. I mean, we're all born, we're I mean, all alive. Might as well make the connection. It's funny you can think, you can see really the uh, distinction between the prevailing philosophy of disco and the kind of rock that would espouse a disco sucks narrative because you could very imme- immediately imagine what a 1978 song called "Born to Die" might sound like. <laughs> 
but anyway, I think that that sounds pretty good. That's yeah. a certified disco banger. Madonna's dancing for that guy. Okay. Um, where she meets and becomes romantically involved with musician Dan Gilroy. Okay. They live together in an abandoned synagogue in Corona, Queens, which sounds pretty dope, but also pretty far out there. That's a big commute. Yeah, that's a long way to Danceteria. Yeah. But you know, uh, the rent in an but abandoned the synagogue. run all night. Yeah, it's true. And the rent in an abandoned synagogue is pretty low. I would imagine. And they form a band called Breakfast Club, for which Madonna, get this, sang, played guitar, uh, and drums. Wow. So she's quite multi-talented. All at the same time, like one of those one-man bands. Yeah, she's people. like the she's like what's his name in Mary Poppins. She's got the like tambourine on the feet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's her and then Dan Gilroy, I don't know, playing bass, I guess. What else is left Ugh. in the band? Yeah, right. Um so she's in this band called Breakfast Club. Okay. Um which Great name, predating the movie The Breakfast Club? Yes. And Actually, one of the things that's interesting about Breakfast Club is they go on after Madonna leaves to have a career of their own mm-hmm. in the rest of the 80s. So they, they basically become a successful new wave band or semi-successful new wave band, having even like some one-off pretty major hits in the late 90s, even without Madonna. But while they do have Madonna in, mm-hmm. um, they sound, uh, I think quite interestingly, a lot like No Doubt. So let's listen to some okay. of that. Oh, this is where she's playing the drums. <laughs> I think she's actually I think she's actually playing uh, guitar on that track. But yeah, yeah. very blondy, no doubt ish. Yeah. Uh, cool. It's like a good sound. Um, so she's playing in this band Breakfast Club, living in an abandoned synagogue, like you do. It's New York, it's 1979, things are popping off. Yes. This is like the kind of lifestyles we're living we're living right now. Um, after a year or two, she leaves Breakfast Club. Uh, leaving her which she formed with her boyfriend Dan mm-hmm. Gilroy she leaves Breakfast Club with her then boyfriend and lifelong collaborator Stephen Bray mm-hmm. uh, to form the band Emmy okay uh, Madonna soon decided to try to market herself as a solo act uh, her then boyfriend Mark Kamins mm-hmm. are you noticing a trend yes uh, starts trying to sell her to Sire she's, she's straight yes yeah okay uh, she starts trying to sell her to Sire Records founder Seymour Stein Seymour Stein uh, was apparently initially reluctant, but when he heard her demo, demo song, Everybody. Had Madonna come to the hospital he was currently admitted to to sign her. Wow. That's uh, dedication. Yeah. He was like, get this, get this getting, game down here to the to the OR. Was he just like getting like a gallstone out? Like what? Yeah. You know. That's funny. Because at the same era, there's a good story in uh, Rip It Up, not Rip It Up, I'm sorry again, in um, Please Kill Me mm-hmm. of Richard Lloyd, guitarist of television, being frequently admitted to the hospital for some chronic illness and uh-huh. having a weed dealing hustle out of his hospital room around wow. the same time. So hospitals in the late 70s New York were just a good place to conduct music business. Breaking bad. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Uh, who cares? Be uh, Get a morphine drip. Sell drugs from your bedside. Who who cares? Who cares? It's 1979, baby. It was baby. New York in 1979. Nothing yep. matters. Do whatever you want. Nobody's watching. Um, so Seymour Stein hears this Everybody song, and the rest is her story, <laughs> as it were. Because goddamn, does Madonna 
rocket ship to success. Blow up. Okay. Yeah. So she was basically just like, hey, Emmy is a good name for a band, but you know what a better name for a band is? Madonna. <laughs> yeah. She's, She's like, like what, what if I played music, but without you guys holding me back? Everybody in the band whose name isn't Madonna, raise your hand. <laughs> Everybody with your hand up is no longer in the band. Yeah, sorry. Uh, but actually, her and uh, uh, Stephen Bray continue working together. And if you look at his collection of uh, like uh, songs under his songwriting, it's like every Madonna number one yeah. it has has a little Bray in it. So, cool. so they're 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 good partners. And he went on to. Um, do some other work as well, including uh, working for doing some, some Broadway scores, for which I believe he eventually won, uh, not an Emmy. Oh, you don't want an Emmy for uh, for Broadway. You want a Tony. A Tony. Uh, yes, I think he, he he's either nominated or or won some Tonys. So yeah. like uh, everybody that she interacts with. Um, so he has a j- a jit. Yeah. Gut. As opposed to an e got. Oh yeah, Grammy Tony. <laughs> a GT. A like GT. The car. Yeah. I, I just love dance songs that figure out as many ways as possible to be like, go, go dance, go dance. Let the DJ move you. Go shake it. Just let it, let the DJ take control. Just move to the music. You can do it. Just fi- just fucking dance. What, what do I have to do? Dancing. What, this you is want a some dance money song. for it? <laughs> I don't have to threaten you. Go out there. I'll PayPal you yeah. to dance. Just dance. Uh, yeah. So that song. Uh, kind of has some cheesiness to it which i like but it, it feels very uh as all those like 80s production things it really feels like somebody just on ba- boxed a whole new like array of of brand new straight off the line 1982 synthesizers and right. just went hog wild yeah. on on all the little toys and things like it's using fresh. factory presets yeah um but it's, it's fun and she's definitely got her like a um a voice to her and you know you're a record exec, and and you see a a young woman like that, and who's making songs like that. You're like, oh yeah, I, I can move these at least to the dance market, mm-hmm. right? Yes, I love the dance market. It's I love the way dance better market. than Whole Foods. All right, so the year is 1982. Uh huh. Her first two singles, "Everybody" and "Burning Up," are huge dance club hits. Uh, she moves in with her then boyfriend John Jellybean Benitez to yes. finish the album. Uh, and he produces Holiday, which is her first international top hit in 1983. And the first album, Madonna, peaks at number eight on the Billboard Top 200 in 1984. So, uh, right. huge hit singles and big debut album. Yes. Um, this next part is going to be a little numbers heavy, but I just want to give you a sense of how much white hot burning star power Madonna built up over the next sure. like eight years. So... Madonna peaks at number eight on the Billboard Top Top 200 and eventually went five times platinum, selling over five million copies. Like a virgin, her second album in 1984 went to number one on the Top 200 and eventually went diamond, selling over 10 million copies. Swag. Uh, it caused a huge controversy in the media because people are like, oh, do women get to talk about being virgins in public? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> Is she saying that people should have sex with women? I don't feel like that's just a thing I that people I think that's should... bad. Yes, exactly. And it makes me feel bad. Yes. And everyone else should feel uh, bad. So it, she becomes a media sensation and of the Like a Virgin tour, Heidi Sherman of Spin later said Madonna was a bona fide pop star in the process of becoming a cultural icon. 
controversy, a good stepping stool to becoming an icon. Mm-hmm. In 1986, her album True Blue went number one on at least 14 different countries' charts and sold over 25 million copies worldwide. In 1987, she plays to a crowd of over 130,000 people in Paris, which remains her largest attendance to date. That's insane. That's more than like a Coachella yeah. festival right now. That All there crazy. just for Madonna. Yeah. In Paris. Uh, <laughs> like a in pr- Paris, a beautiful city. A beautiful city. The city of light. Uh, the city of light and big Madonnages. Like a Prayer comes out in 1989, number one all around the world, 50 million colli- uh, copies sold. This is the one that gets her condemned by the Vatican, which mm-hmm. I consider moving on up. It's easy to get condemned by freaking parents, council groups in America. They yeah. hate everything. But yeah. to get the Vatican talking smack about you? That's good. Good. You done something right. Yeah. And that thing that you did right is get fucked by a black saint in your video. Oh my God. Uh, Wait, I have a question. Yes. Does the Vatican, do you think they specifically target her because she was raised Catholic? Like, do you think that enhances their criticism? It's like, you were our, you were a child of, of our God and you forsook us. Like if she was just some dirty Lutheran, they would they wouldn't. Yeah, really who's care. just playing around with you know iconography, iconography yeah, yeah. willy nilly, and they're just like ah, she doesn't really know what she's talking about. I but mean, Madonna, she, she knew. She's she got knew the name the of our number one girl. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe I wonder, or if it just she was literally the only one doing stuff like that. Uh, anyway, by the end of the decade, she was named Artist of the Decade by Billboard, MTV, Musician Neighborhood. Uh, she's the best. So she beat out. Michael, Michael Jackson, Jackson yes. Bruce Sprungstoon. Uh, yes. Uh, you you do? You do. All those people. Duran Duran. Duran Duran. Uh, Was Duran Duran really like, up there in the running to become Artist of the Decade? My sense is that Duran Duran is a lot more popular than, than we uh, would consider them now. Fair. You know. Fair. I think of them mostly as uh, Grand Theft Auto soundtrack fodder. Were in, they on D- GTA soundtrack? I don't know. I don't think they I've were. I've never even played that game. Though, uh, I'm just making assumptions here. Some other, some later time when we do our episode that only does lists, I will talk about how the Grand Theft Auto Vice City soundtrack is a very acceptable uh, submission for definitive survey playlist of the 80s because it has mm. an amazing collection of a wide range of music that really touches on like almost everything that was going on musically musically in the 80s in a pretty comprehensive way uh that's my recommendation this week the grand theft auto vice city uh soundtrack it's very good great (laughs) um so that brings us to 1990 yes madonna is undeniably uh either the biggest star in the world or of among the biggest stars in the world okay uh, she's starring in movies, uh, some of which are more flops, but some of which are very critically lauded, mm-hmm. like Desperately Seeking Susan. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is has become her sense of style has become the defining ubiquitous, ubiquitous, and one of the defining uh, sources of, of of fashion inspiration mm-hmm. of the time. She has been uh, attacked by institutions of of traditional power of, of the church and, and parents groups. Mm-hmm. She's controversial. She's wildly popular. She tours all over to, uh, you know, record-breaking crowds. She is literally the biggest thing in the world. Wow. 1991. Jesus. Well, that's where we find her with this interview. And meanwhile, I'm like, 
So Carrie Fisher, she makes a joke at the beginning of this that Norman Mailer was originally going to be the one to interview Madonna, and that would have been all nice and historic. But as it were, like they they got to save some money on <laughs> on the interview and hire Carrie Fisher to do it instead of Norman Mailer. Well, thank so God. maybe less historic, but uh, uh, you know, still charming in its own way. Yeah, uh, Carrie Fisher is a a genius. Uh, I was looking up what she was up to at the time, and like the answer is. Well, I mean, she's been consistently busy since she uh, starred as Princess Leia, but she Postcards from the Edge, which was one of her books, uh, had been turned into a movie in 1990. So she had some shit going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, later she played the therapist in Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery. That's like nine years after That's this. like a little while. Well, 1997. It's okay, like five okay. years after that. It's fine. Um, so like that's what Carrie's up to, but it's an interesting choice for an interviewer. But uh, the way Carrie Fisher describes Madonna in this interview is that she says she often seems to behave like someone who has been under severe restraint and can now say and do whatever she likes without fear of reprisal, um, which I think is an interesting way to describe someone because it does sound like she has always acted this way but now maybe is just especially unloosed um she's 30 like two at the time of this interview so i feel like she's done Mm -hmm. the youth thing she's still young but she's not like in her 20s dancing at the mud club anymore so she's just kind of like and she was also she's coming off of an abusive relationship with Sean Penn. Um, They were married for like five years and got divorced in 1989. Um, At this time, she is dating Warren Beatty. Warren Beatty is a notorious slut. Um, Mm He slept with like 12,775 women, according to his biographer. Um, I'm sure at this point he's, he's, denounced that or said that that no no no, it's not true but yeah um, by by any account warren Beatty has definitely stupid a lot of uh she's getting all all revved up to star in dick tracy with him yes uh playing a singer named breathless mahoney (laughs) i feel like madonna's taste in movies is definitely sort of marilyn monroe-esque in that she's playing these sort of weird ingenues with funky Mm -hmm. names who are just she did the one good one What's the one good one? League of Their Own. Oh, League of Their Own is great. Um, I'm an Evita fan personally. <laughs> I think there's. Some I've actually people... never seen Evita. I'd probably enjoy it. I, I'm not. I'm not sure if everyone loves Evita, but I, I think Evita is s- great. I saw a tweet uh, recently that, and I'm I'm sorry, whoever I was stealing this from, that's like, why do they keep making baseball movies when they already made League of Their Own? Yeah, we did it. We did it. We made the good baseball movie. Cut, print, check the gate. Yeah. Moving on. Time to make a different sport movie. Yeah. Maybe another hockey. Throw that in there. Actually, don't. Uh, I hear that Sean uh, William Scott movie, The Goon, is pretty good. <laughs> the, the other Sean, not Sean Penn. Um, so anyway, the way we're going to do this is I will read I will read Carrie Fisher's parts and you will read Madonna's parts. Oh my gosh, I didn't um, prepare my Madonna impression. Well, you don't have to have an impression. You can just read it normally. Um, uh, how does she sound like well, this? I don't think she has yet attained her fake British accent, which she gets later. I've always depended. Kind of <laughs> now you can just talk normally or she kind of talks like lady gaga honestly okay. this sort of well, uh, well, well, i'll either. have to let me just bring out my legendary lady gaga impression yeah you don't you don't need to impress yeah, right, in right, any right. way or another um so at the time uh she's with warren Beatty, um and so she opens the interview as such <clears throat> let me ask you something did you fuck warren no you didn't I'm one of the few. I could have. Okay. But we both made a movie with him, so we both could have fucked him. 
At the time, I was 17 and making shampoo. He offered to relieve me of the huge burden of my virginity. Four times. That was the big offer. I decided against it. I decided for reality over anecdote. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I like that Carrie Fisher is one of the, probably the only women who's ever said no to Warren Beatty. Yeah. And I just love that Madonna is just like, apparently this isn't the only time. She asked somebody else. Oh, she asked Sandra Bernhard, her friend, uh, the comedian Sandra <laughs> Bernhard, um, right That's before she got with Warren Beatty. She's like, did you fuck Warren? And I feel like she had to do that with everyone because mm -hmm. literally statistically he did. Yeah. So just imagine like going around with all your girlfriends or like meeting interviewers or whatever and just being like, have you fucked my boyfriend? <laughs> and then being like, no, yes. I mean, what? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the answer to that for most people who she answered that to would be something along the lines of. Well, it was 1975. <laughs> That's what you were. did. You went out, got all loose on some quaaludes, had a scotch or two, and you Qua fucked Warren Bailey. <laughs> quaaludes. Getting quaaludes. Um, so Madonna's ostensibly promoting her documentary, Truth or Dare, which chronicled her life as she went on her Blonde Ambition tour in 1990. Um, and the movie, I don't know, have you seen Blonde Ambition or have you seen Truth or Dare? I have not. Um, it's basically like, it's a proto sort of confessional type of uh, documentary where she's talking with her bandmates and you see her with Warren and, uh, or not her bandmates, her dancers and just like her issues with putting on this show because the show is controversial. Um, Wikipedia has told me on the final night of her show in Toronto, Madonna is informed that plainclothes officers are prepared to arrest her if she performs the simulated masturbation scene at the end of Like a Virgin. I don't know if you've seen the scene. She's basically like in a bed and kind of like and the men flopping are like around like a her beached stuff, yeah. salmon. Like it's not to me. I didn't find it that hot. But once again, like this is 30 years later, like things were different back then. I'm sure it was oh, truly titillating. It's so silly to imagine Toronto cops being like, our number one priority is making sure it doesn't appear that this international pop star you is masturbating. You watch, you wait. If your hand goes where I think it's going, shut it down. The SWAT team is coming shut in from the ceiling. down. Uh, and Madonna refuses to change her show. Uh, she said she that, cannot compromise the artistic integrity no, of the masturbation. Of the masturbation. She said, last time I was on tour, Sean was in jail. I guess it's my turn. <laughs> uh, um, so that's, th that's good. That's a good singer. Yes. And so she talks about her dancers in this interview, um, her tour dancers. She says, they were hard workers, extremely talented, and I didn't think they were jaded. They hadn't been on tour with other people and hadn't traveled. They hadn't been associated with, I hate to say the word, celebrity. Everything was completely new to them. You could trade on their innocence a little bit. Absolutely. And I could show them things and be a mother to them, take care of them, assuage my guilt for having so much money by taking them shopping at Chanel and buying them everything their hearts <laughs> desired. <laughs> so she is this sort of like, you know, she's 32 and she has this like, I've been through heck and I've come to the other side and now I'm going to be more like a mother figure to people. But at the same time, she's still kind of mm -hmm. lost in the sauce a little bit in this I mean, documentary. I can't help but cringe when uh, I read somebody like Madonna in 1991 say something like, I hate to say the word celebrity. Right. And it's like, well, but come on. you are, you're like the definition of, yeah. And she hadn't embraced it in that way. I don't think, which is just so funny because you're saying the numbers of her, Mm -hmm. achieved fame and it's kind of like how can you not just be like yes i am the one of the most famous women you, you in almost the world. couldn't find a person who is more mathematically the definition of, mm -hmm. of celebrity at the quantitatively. time quantitatively but i think that's one of the things that we're talking about when we're looking at these like interviews and how people portray fame is like how 
you both need to talk down and have to be modest like oh i i hate saying the word celebrity but mm-hmm. then also be like in total command of everything that you do at all times mm-hmm. in, in a like almost godlike way especially over your image and how you come off it's mm-hmm. interesting yeah i don't know she should she should not hate to say the word celebrity at being where she is yeah. at the time 1991 madonna i <laughs> yeah, think yeah. she needs to embrace it a little yeah. more um, and then she later does like she has all the songs about it, it's funny. I feel like she really didn't have songs about being famous. Mm-hmm. They were mostly like love songs, dance songs, Very occasionally like songs. getting pre- you know, getting pregnant and keeping the I baby. I mean, when you look at Like a Prayer, it's not that often you have a Mondo dance hit mm-hmm. about the pop singer's like struggle and feelings about faith. Yeah. Right. I mean, it is very much like written in the context of (laughs) like having a like almost sexual relationship with god or something uh it's like a very romantic song but it's nonetheless very clearly made from somebody who grew up you know catholic in michigan Mm -hmm. in like rural michigan in the 60s and 70s right all right um they're conf- her songs are confessional. Yes. And then like later she has the songs about everybody goes to Hollywood and mm-hmm. uh you know, music makes the people come together, blah blah blah. It does though. It does it does. <laughs> to be clear. It does. It does. Um so I think she gets more into that image a little bit later, but at this point not so much. Um so they talk about looks. Madonna, Madonna on attractiveness. Um so Carrie asks, How tall are you? Five, four and a half. And Carrie says, I'm five, one and a half, and it's incredibly important to me, <laughs> except that I stoop, which is attractive. <laughs> I have one of those dowager's humps. It's from reading when I was a kid. For some reason, I don't bring the book up. I bring my head down like it's a feed bag, so I read like a horse. Short people try harder. I'm compensating for it. What are you compensating for? Didn't you think you were attractive? When I was little, absolutely not. So when did you? When did I think I was attractive? When I started hearing it from my ballet teacher at about 16. But by then you had solidified the impression that you were not attractive. I thought I was a dog from hell. <laughs> <laughs> so I find this interesting because you're, you know, you regaled us with the, the story of Madonna's rise to fame. And Madonna has been like a self-made creature in many ways. Mm-hmm. And that like the the whole style was all her and like the the hair and the clothes and the yeah, like yeah. millions of rubber bracelets and whatever and i do think it's like she's not it seems rude to be like madonna's not attractive because she is attractive but i don't think she's conventionally attractive in some way yeah i get what you're saying i mean at least not the way pop stars look now i think everyone looks much more polished and like smoothed over and i feel like she had like a rougher I think that, look to her. The thing that I think of now when I see Madonna, especially when I see Madonna do live stuff, is I think of how athletic and kind of muscular mm-hmm. she is, which I think is more just from, you know, spending 30, 40 years like physically working yeah. for, for most of your living. Like, well, and she like got into yoga in the yeah, yeah. like 2000s and started showing that off in her videos. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting because she, she her image in the 80s was very girly, but I think now you kind of see that she has a bit more of a, she has a, some more masculine features in her older age. So maybe I think what you're seeing mm-hmm. is maybe that, that, that the way she was portraying herself in the 80s was more of a... Um, you know, Harder, trying to cover, angular. Cover up some of that like essential 
masculineness yeah. about the angles of her face and stuff. Yeah. Well, it honestly reminds her, I think, obviously everyone says that Lady Gaga's career has been derivative of Madonna's. And I think that that's there like somewhat in the style of music and in the, you know, the religious iconography and all that stuff. But also I do feel like they look similar and they they have like Italian features. Right. I mean, that's one thing I think, I think we can have an argument about that later. Cause I would say, especially after brushing up on Madonna's eighties career right Mm -hmm. now, I would say that they really don't. Yeah. Other than that, they do are like major singer, songwriter, dancer, pop stars who kind of look alike because they're both kind of Italian. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's, you know, that is very similar. And it's, Mm -hmm. there aren't that many huge blockbuster pop divas. You know, there are like at any given time, like a dozen of them. Uh, (laughs) So. This it's is, easy it's the to society of yeah it's easy 12. to be like oh those two italian ones they're analogous mm-hmm. uh, but i do think that like you know madonna had celebrate and yeah uh lady gaga had whatever she had born this way that mm-hmm. they were sort of both not piggybacking on gay rights well let's but... talk about the comparisons at the at the end because okay. you have a whole little things yes. set up about that yes well um, we'll we'll talk more about so but i will pause. say that to your point Lady Gaga could easily play Madonna's daughter in a thing. I was going to say, she could also like play Madonna in a thing yes. now, if there ever is a Madonna biopic. Bio a Ma- pic? Madonna pick. <laughs> um, and then a little bit later in the interview, they talk about, they're talking more about looks, and Carrie says, there aren't that many women who were sex objects, who were sex objects, who have survived. There are a couple of them, but when you see them interviewed, they don't look very good. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Is it just a state of mind? Uh, I think when you're valued for something that you didn't have much business in acquiring, like your looks, you're more out of control. Mm. As your looks diminish with age, you feel your value is diminishing and you get afraid. But do you think that I'm valued for my looks? Partly. Because I've never considered myself a conventionally pretty person. I look at girls and go, they're perfect. I have to work at it. So, I don't know. I think that it's the same. I I don't, I think Madonna sees herself as an underdog. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's why, like the like the being super in shape, especially the older she gets, the more in shape she seems to be, mm-hmm. is like combating that is a way of like taking control of something that you otherwise don't yeah have control over. Well, it's interesting. It would it's hard to tell about it Madonna's early career because all of her imagery and performance and what she is known for is in this very highly self imposed sexualized way Mm -hmm. like she spent the 80s writhing around on stage floors in like a wedding gown yes simulating masturbation yes which was her own choice and what she was going after with her music but it also means that she is put in a very sexual light as opposed to like kate bush sure (laughs) right exactly exactly uh, so it's hard to separate it from. But then or also she knows like, Sinead O'Connor yes. or something. But I'm also like looking at the cover of Madonna, her first album. Mm-hmm. And she's hot on it. She's I don't know how, how else to put it. Yeah. But it's like I'm trying to unpack this more because when Madonna says I have to work at it, I also think that was the entire 80s aesthetic that mm-hmm. it's. I think it was followed by a period where it was all about being natural Mm -hmm, and like working mm -hmm. with what you have and like don't wear a lot of makeup and Mm -hmm. sort of like that's the and the the 80s was all about like 
you wore a shitload of makeup and you That's did true. dye like, your you hair look, and you like wore really like voluminous outfits with like tons of shit going on in them, yeah, like all the shoulder pads maximalist. and the fucking hair and like it's it's crazy how elaborate just like casual women's looks by like 1988 are. Yeah, it's really actually kind of upsetting for me to think about that that was just like oh to go outside i need to put a half can of spray paint in or spray paint (laughs) (laughs) a half can of of hairspray in my hair and like wear this goddamn shoulder padded out thing and Mm -hmm. like a billion accessories no it was it was definitely like modification in order to fit the aesthetic that was like the the bar Mm -hmm. and so to go above that as somebody who thought of herself as relatively norm at you know mm-hmm. at best normal looking she mm-hmm. felt that she needed to really really push far and that's probably where a bunch of the accessories shit came from all the lace gloves and the bracelets and yeah the bangles and whatever she's like i need to i need to peacock enhance, enhance. yes enhance. zoom in enhance um so i'm pulling in also because i was just thinking about this interview happened when madonna was the biggest pop star in the world um and to me, the tenor of this interview is so like perfectly confessional and yet sort of like veiled and calculated at the same mm-hmm. time. And it made me think of what other pop stars now, what kind of interviews they're giving to Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. So uh, Katy Perry did an interview in 2010 for her Rolling Stone cover, which was like two years after she fully blew up. Uh, and she's talking about styling herself. And she said, I did my hair. Who's that girl blonde once? And it was just wrong. She says, giddily in a discussion of various hairstyles, who's that girl is the Madonna movie yeah. from 1987 where she's like platinum, platinum blonde. Yeah, that's the tour that she uh, did. Uh, did the Paris show. 130,000, the Who's Amazing. That Girl tour. Um, black just makes sense for me. My natural color is like, like, Patty Perry <laughs> looks around, but she doesn't see anyone with the exact same hair color. So she starts to pull up her skirt. You can just see it here, she says. Thankfully, she drops the hem before she gets the whole way up. But for a second, it was anyone's guess whether she would. Um, this whole, yeah, she was showing the, the drapes or the carpet. Yes. Which is which? That's the carpet. Yes. It's the carpet is the bottom one and the drapes are the top one, right? That's typically how houses work. <laughs> okay, just checking. Uh, I just thought this little bit was interesting because like this interview that Katy Perry did is so reminiscent of like the Madonna like coquettishness and mm-hmm. the idea that as a pop star, you have to constantly be like pulling back the drapes <laughs> to like maybe tease at doing something scandalous. Yeah, and that's like kind of the 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 deep read of any given pop star interview is how much they're, especially with female pop stars, especially with like that realm of white female pop stars mm-hmm. of being like, how much is this girl like a sweet yokel from the country? Mm-hmm. And how much is she like a cold calculating? Well, like, cause you have to be, mastermind? you have to be both. Yeah. Well, I was going to say like how much of your sweet yokel and how much of you are like a, like an LA slut. Yeah. Exactly. And like Katy Perry has to be both. Yes. Because By she's design. Both a, you know, whipped cream spewing uh <laughs> well, just boob look, we human into- human breast. <laughs> she is a human breast. And a religious <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's like the weird thing about Katy Perry's whole image is that it's like it's like eleven year old doodle of a hot girl mm-hmm. is like her image it's like Candyland sexuality of yeah. like i'm hot but i'm not sexual right i've in got like purple any kind hair of advanced, advanced way and cleavage mm-hmm. and like 
I'll giggle and turn around like you can see my undies, but like she's like an anime. But girl. I'm saving it for Russell Brand. <laughs> yes, exactly. specifically. Yeah, she's like a very not not just like a little anime girl, but like the the American equivalent uh, of of that kind of like Japanese pop star type. Mm-hmm. You know, spin and see the underwear. It's not. <laughs> I don't. It's it's, well, it's weird. It's its own thing. Well. And Katy Perry's also kind of reminds me of Madonna in the way that just in the same way that Madonna was frolicking in all the New York City clubs, dancing around and Mm -hmm. trying to get noticed. Katy Perry was in like every party photography collection on MySpace in 07. Yeah, like Mm -hmm. that was her vibe. So if only there was the Cobra Snake of the Mud Club in 1979. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. I mean, I'm sure there are still a bunch of those photos that we could look up and be like, that's gross then. But they weren't on MySpace. That's the difference. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So Madonna and Carrie move on to the topic of religion. Um, Well, I wanted to be a nun. I saw nuns as superstars. Uh, How could you have wanted to be a nun, given your attitude? Sister Mary Blowjob? (laughs) Sister Mary Fellatio. Nice. (laughs) When I was growing up, I went to a Catholic school, and the nuns, to me, were these superhuman, beautiful, fantastic people. To me, that was as close as I was going to get to celebrities. I thought they were really elegant. They wore these long gowns. They seemed to glide over the floor. Everyone said that they were married to Jesus. I thought they were superhuman and fabulous. And then later she says... When I did go to confession, I never told the priest that I thought I'd really done wrong. I'd make up other smaller crimes. I thought, look, if I have done something wrong, I have a private line to God, and I'll just tell him in my bedroom. <laughs> I love Madonna just being like, no, 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 like, well, that's very Protestant of her. You can't facilitate this. This, I'm taking this into my own hands. She apparently did not get the message of Catholicism. No, right? Which is only the only the priest is your line to God. Yeah. Well, Madonna, like Bono, understands that. Catholicism is the glam rock of religions. Yes. You get the, the pomp, the circumstance, the long dripping candles, mm-hmm. the tabernacle. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Catholicism is the the many things of religion. The, the It's like definitely the gothiest religion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely, yeah, the glam, the gothiest. It, it, it makes the most sense for rock and roll religion. I would actually like to see a survey if there's like a notable number of, of rock stars that come out of Catholicism because it, 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 Catholicism or I bet on the English side, Anglican, Anglican, Anglicanism, <laughs> yes. uh, just because the, those those elements of, of performance mm-hmm. and ornateness and like heavy, like literally heaviness, like mm-hmm. things are heavy right. in a Catholic church. Yes. Um, I think really, really translate well. And, you know, pretty, pretty S&M kneeling on those yes, hard, exactly. hard pews. Ugh. It's, it's the definitely the most bondage influence religion. Yes. All that fucking... <laughs> God torture that you see all the time. There's whips and chains just being raked across the, the son of your God's back as he's being paraded naked through the town square, just bleeding <laughs> and loving it because he knows he's going to save mankind. He's <laughs> just fucking, he's wet for this. This is fun for me. <laughs> yes. God, literally. Um, <laughs> and so to bring it back to Katy Perry in the same interview, she talks about her religious background and mm. she says, uh, speaking in tongues is as normal to me as past the salt. <laughs> a lot of religions use meditation or chanting as a subliminal prayer language, and speaking in tongues isn't that different. It's a secret, direct prayer language to God. If I had felt intuitively that I had to pray for some situation, but I didn't rationally understand it, I just let my spirit pray for it. But then later she says, uh, 
I am sensitive to Russell Brand taking the Lord's name in vain and to Lady Gaga putting a rosary in her mouth. I think when you put sex and spirituality in the same bottle and shake it up, bad things happen. Yes, I said I kissed a girl, but I didn't say I kissed a girl while effing a crucifix. And I would argue that she did put sex and spirituality in the same bottle and shook it up by existing in her particular narrative as church girl gone bad. Yeah, exactly. Uh <laughs> You know that her speaking in tongues, that explains that one verse of of California Girls. It's like, California Girls. That's why that song was so good. You put sex and spirituality in a bottle and shake it up and you know what you get? Magic. 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 Like Pop Rocks and Coke. And you know... Alka-Seltzer and Diet Coke. You know that I'm a believer in ritual magic. And so Mm -hmm. uh, I think that you could argue that there would be a good argument for one of the reasons that Madonna Mm -hmm. would be so big and enchanting in the way that she existed in the 80s is because she's doing exactly that Mm -hmm. and putting this weird... Maybe not... I mean, I don't want to say weird, but, you know, like uh, a seemingly revolutionary combination uh, of religious impulses and imagery into this hypersexualized show and presenting that as like a ritual to people mm-hmm. uh which i think does very interesting and compelling things to people's mind so yes. you know what fucking katie perry you want to move some more records maybe you should put sex and religion in a bottle and shake it all up yeah and not in just a way when you're like where you're like uh, uh playing dress up in ancient uh egyptian clothing right if you want to worship the anubis worship the anubis worship the goddamn you're just chris you're just hollering about the anubis uh, you brought me here katie on this, perry on this podcast hollering about the anubis hollering about the anubis uh yes i don't know it's it's so funny to think i know lady gaga is maybe the last person to have used religious iconography so blatantly in relationship to sex like Mm -hmm. has anyone else really done that lately i feel like it's mostly just edm bangers about being sad kanye yes which is like him being a black man is a totally different side of it yeah when he's calling himself gold he went from being like you know Mm -hmm. jesus walks to i am a god i was earlier gonna say uh Madonna's birth name being Madonna would be like Kanye West's birth name being Black Jesus West. <laughs> That's good. That's very good. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think Kanye being on the Rolling Stone cover with the mm-hmm. crown of thorns and, and the yeah the Jesus Walk stuff. I mean, and I think that that's one of the things that's most interesting about Kanye, who mm-hmm. is already very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that that almost always works when it comes from a sincere place, and it is uh, rich hearing that from Katy Perry, where she's like, mm-hmm. "No, I don't want to do that." When she, you know, moved up in these uh, uh, Christian music circles right and could she have tried to like excise that from the narrative completely maybe but i feel like she I mean, didn't she kind of did her th- her whole thing was kind of you know i i was a christian musician has there and ever been a katie perry didn't. song in which somebody in the background goes good girl gone bad well that's like rihanna yeah so i don't know i don't think so i mean i i mostly think that that line's uh, a little over the top for Rihanna, who I mostly think of. Bad girl kept bad. Bad girl stayed bad. Yeah. Never been good. <laughs> Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Watch her roll this blunt. <laughs> um, great. So Madonna and Carrie turn to the topic of 
sex. Sex. So let's hear what they have to say about that. <laughs> I just read the first line of this. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I can barely relate to a dick now. I couldn't at all then. It's enough having my breasts as an appendage. When you jump up and down or dance or run or whatever, they're there. I can't imagine having a third thing hanging off my body. How dreadful. I think I'd like to wake up with an erection, even if it was just not to not like it. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to know what those things are like. I'd really like to pee standing up. The way to do that is to go to Africa. When you really have to go, you go in the bush. All you think is that a snake is going to come and bite something. Hopefully your ass. That's what makes women vulnerable. The extra hole. That extra hole. That extra hole. <laughs> Later in the interview, uh, Carrie says, as you get older, the pickings get slimmer, but the people sure don't. (laughs) Oh, Carrie. That's a good line. Yeah, nice one-liner. Anyway, I'll take a slightly overweight guy if he's smart. You can work him out. Yeah, I'll put him through a training (laughs) (laughs) regime. Sorry, I was bound to mispronounce that. (laughs) Regime. Yeah, I'll put him through a training regime. But what can you do to somebody's brain? The die is cast. Let's get to the real servicing thing. The quickest way to a man's heart is not through its, his stomach. It's through blowjobs. I don't like blowjobs. What do you like? Getting head. For how long? A day and a half. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good anecdote, bad reality. Mike Nichols once said that in relationships, there should be a flower and a gardener. And that was the problem with you and Sean. Two flowers, no gardener to nurture. Who's going to mind the relationship? That's exactly it. Who's taking care of things? We both need a wife, is what Sean is always saying. We're supposed to be the good wife. I find that weird. You do? In what way? Well, I mean, just also, like, Sean Penn is a noted, like, abuser. Yes. So it's kind of like, I don't think they both need a wife. I think he, he needs, needs to, to stop being such an asshole. Yeah, yeah. But I think, that's neither here nor there. I mean, I don't want to be flippant about it uh, because fuck Sean Penn and his long career after that. Yeah. Uh, but Incredibly long. Um, I think that that makes sense for the what I understand to be the pathology of, of that kind of thing is that, you know, it, it comes from, you know, not... The, the 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 sense of domination comes from like a, a neediness, so it makes sense that he would say that they both need a wife mm-hmm. in some way. Because uh, I imagine them being both types of people. I could imagine very easily Madonna being somebody who needs somebody to be the the like nurturer. Sure, she's the the dominating mm-hmm. personality. Right. In some she, I mean, yeah, it's gonna be hard to be a co co dominant personality with someone like Madonna in a yeah. relationship. I wonder why Carrie was so insistent on like trying to get the blowjob quote. I don't know if there had been something in the press earlier that was like Madonna loves to give look blowjobs. Look, she's Carrie, like, we'll give you the interview, this. but you gotta get us that blowjob clip. Yeah, yeah. we already these like point the editor like points to a, a, an already made cover that just says Madonna love blowjobs, <laughs> and then there's the also the alternative cover which is like Madonna hates blowjobs. Either one of these is gonna sell, but we just got it <laughs> one way or the other. <laughs> um, yes. So I don't know. She's very explicit in her talk about sex in a way that I feel like actually not a lot of female pop stars are these days. Yeah. Katy Perry, I feel like hasn't really talked about that. Maybe later on after her 2010, she's definitely gotten more, uh, what's the word? Chatty. Chatty. (laughs) As she gets older, but like a Taylor Swift is not going to say anything about that. About how much she likes head. Yeah. No. For a day and a half. Do you think Taylor Swift likes head? 
giving it or receiving I it. I think I imagine Taylor Swift is having intimacy problems, but I feel like that might be putting something on her. I don't want to say something, uh, you know, out, out, speak out of didn't, turn. Didn't someone say something on Twitter about they, they think that she's a vol cell? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That's like, uh, uh, for those of you not uh, who haven't had your brains poisoned by Twitter, Ugh. that's uh, short for voluntarily celibate. Yes. Uh, which, yes, I could imagine, especially because, uh, uh, I mean, she's clearly dated many people and there there are there's textual evidence for her virginity having been lost at different points in her physical relationships with people. But also at the same time, you'd imagine being Taylor Swift and knowing that your sex is one of the most powerful things on earth right now, mm-hmm. the giving it and the withholding it from yes. various peoples and a lot of pressure and feeling Incredible pressure, but also incredible power. Incredible power, but if you are as paranoid as Taylor Swift is, then I feel like it. there would be no upside yeah. to that. It would all be downside, and you'd be looking at everyone being like... Maybe if it was there was like a literal like king or like <laughs> prince. If like one of the Harry. princes of England was available. She loves British guys. Uh, and would be like, if, if you get with me, you become... you. The literal queen of England. Yeah, we'll solidify. Like we'll sign all the paperwork. Like we'll lock it down, and yeah. then you can give me a blowjob, right? Yeah, the queen tract. Yeah, the queen contract. The queen. Um, speaking of Tay, she actually does in this in the interview that she gave in 2014 when she was promoting 1989, which feels like it came out way. Lo- I guess that that just feels like it came out very recently. And yet it was like three years ago. Welcome to New York. Oh my God. It's been waiting for you. It's been waiting for you. It's been waiting for you. Um, in the interview, Taylor Swift is repeatedly like, I don't have the energy to date right now. <laughs> I am single. Has like, she dated like 40 fucking people? Yeah, but it's true that at the time that she was giving the interview, she hadn't been publicly dating anyone for a while after Harry Styles. I think he was maybe her last uh. beau. Um, but she gave a quote that was like, she said, have you heard of the loneliest whale? <laughs> There's this whale. I think Adrian Grenier is making a documentary about it. <laughs> it swims through the ocean and it has a call unlike any other whales. So it doesn't have anyone to swim with. And everyone feels so sorry for this whale. But what if this whale is having a great time? Because it's not bad that I'm not hopelessly in love with someone. It's not a tragedy. And it's not me giving up and being a spinster. Although I did get another cat. I love this. It's like Taylor Swift I is have, the loneliest whale. I have heard of the loneliest whale. You have? Yes. Okay. I thought you were gonna make a joke and say the loneliest whale is. No, I've heard of the loneliest you have whale. Heard I, of the I know. Whale. I know this thing. Did you see the Adrian Grenier documentary on it? No, but that's so funny that it kind of immediately undercuts whatever anecdote she is. It would be better if she just said, "There's a story my people tell of the loneliest whale." Because, <laughs> like, well, immediately, like, I've heard of the loneliest whale. Adrian Grenier is doing something with it. I'm like, all right, I don't care about this story anymore. <laughs> um. <laughs> There's an ancestral swift story, the parable of the lonely whale. <laughs> I think I... It's also just like funny to hear someone like Taylor Swift uh, say that, who, you know, my understanding of the loneliest whale is whales live a long fucking time, and this whale has been alone and separated from a pot of whales for like, I don't know, 50 years or mm-hmm. something, and Taylor Swift is like 25 in that interview and has already dated, uh, I don't know, 20, 30 people. But none of them worked out. But none of them worked out. So She's it's always funny swimming. to just hear like a 25-year-old top of the world pop star just being like, I don't think I'll be a spinster. I mean, 
I'm in a two month period where I'm not dating. So I'm right. really resetting. And I'm like, girl, I didn't have a girlfriend for six years. Come on. <laughs> um, Tay, like, I feel like she's the, she's clearly listening to media opinions though by yeah. saying this like again it has, it's hard to separate she's reading the headlines yeah, she's yeah. seeing the the tabs as the tabs are being yeah bloided um like <laughs> she's hearing the chorus of people being like taylor swift is not she's not dating anyone right now like that's yeah. really weird like and again this whole thing is like this weird fantasy world where, where like taylor swift isn't dating somebody right now that's like a headline that you can print and it's been one month since she's had her 16th boyfriend since she's been a a, a public person yeah it's you know it's all uh uh kayfabe as they would say in um wrestling that's like the the keeping up of the uh the story of the antagonist and the protagonist and how much you dislike x person because of whatever it's you know keeping the illusion of the story alive i think and it's hard to separate out in these artist interviews especially of particularly talented artists like Mm -hmm. madonna and taylor swift what is the true part of their personality and what is the public performance of what needs to be the story to keep yes. the celebrity and the tabloid mill running. Yes. And I feel like with Madonna, it's she no, she seems to have more control mm-hmm. over it for some reason. And to also me, she's like setting a lot of molds. Setting a lot of molds? Yeah, and the, the way that she is running through this on a level that not almost any solo female artist had ever achieved before that kind of international superstardom as a single young woman. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the Vatican had never (laughs) issued a condemnation of a, of a female, of a solo female pop star before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she, however she dealt with that was like the first time it had ever been dealt with and sets the standards for like causing a scandal and stuff like that. You know? So however she acted was the way that, everyone could choose to act the same as or do something different. Yeah. Yeah. The other Taylor Swift quote that I feel like is relevant is in that same interview. She said, like, I don't take my clothes off in pictures or anything. I'm very private about that. So it scares me how valuable it would be to get a video of me changing. It's sad to have to look for cameras in dressing rooms and bathrooms. I don't want to, I don't walk around naked with my windows open because there's a value on that. So this is like, it's interesting. I just feel like Madonna's whole shtick, even if it is consciously and purposefully creating like a sort of aura around her, right, is being personal and open. Well, you know that Madonna had a nude photo scandal. She did, but didn't she just kind of like roll with it? Yes. What so was she, it? So I, she had, I don't know when she was very this. young, she took some, like when she first moved to New mm-hmm. York, she had some nude photography taken of her. And then when she was big, mm-hmm. uh, they, w- those came out and they, people sought money for them. And I think some of them went for as much as like a hundred thousand dollars a photo okay, and stuff like that. And so it was a scandal. Uh, but it's the yeah. same way that anybody avoids a scandal like that is just by mm-hmm. choosing not to be scandalized by it. Right. Not Streisand affecting it by being like, you have to turn all these photos over. Yeah, it was just whatever. like by moving forward. But it really fed into the same, all the all the problems that people were having at the time of, mm-hmm. of her being like this, you know, corruptive sex figure that yeah. was going to like, by singing songs like a virgin is going to secretly tell all your young women that you need to be, dis- discard your sweet, precious virginity. Yes. And take nude photos or whatever. And I feel like that's a mold 
that has maybe since been broken in a lot of ways mm-hmm. because I don't think female pop stars now mm-hmm. even have that sort of gritty, dirty, uh, just moved to the city past where maybe you have to like take some nude pics and like just for like a little bit of cash. Like these are women who are bred in on Nickelodeon and the Disney Channel. In laboratories. In laboratories. On Christmas tree farms. And, you know, or like a Katy Perry on Christmas tree farms. Just grown, <laughs> yeah. grown like a beautiful sapling, yeah. uh, trimmed trimmed with pine needles uh, and ready to be presented to the world yes. under as a present. Well, and I also think going going forward that like the nude photo scandal will effectively be, I think I've mentioned this even before and I'll probably mm-hmm. mention it again. This will be one of my predominant <laughs> theories of this podcast, uh, which is that within the next decade or so, it'll just be like when you turn 18, you have nudes yes. le- leaked yes. and it'll be a very democratized thing of being like, yeah, almost everybody has nudes on the internet. What you don't. You don't, you don't have a nude photos That's of you weird. circulating online, you fucking prude. Yeah. So, ba- <laughs> so basically, get that dick online. Everyone is going to know what everyone looks like naked in yeah. like five years. And then it's not a thing because everybody's got that shit out. Yeah. Who cares? Who cares? I mean, truly, who cares? But you have Taylor Swift at this point. The the value. Again, her nudity is precious. Is is a high value situation. It's the greatest natural resource left in America, non-renewable resource. But I I have a legit question, which is that say someone managed to, with a telephoto lens, get a naked picture of Taylor Swift. She let her guard down. She's in her room in Tribeca. <laughs> One She's moment. bumping the latest uh, jam by Lil some- Perp. Lil Perp. Or maybe someone else in the Miami mumblecore <laughs> rap scene. And she's feeling herself. <laughs> she's dancing, dancing in, in her window naked and someone gets the shot. Could they even, I mean, they people would sell that, right? Yes. But I feel like the scandal would be so like the idea that, that might you be took a tough one. Taylor Swift's naked photo without permission. I do feel like the tides have turned after that, um, also, Taylor Swift. after the fappening that like the idea of having naked photos of especially famous women without their permission and like looking at them became uncool and also, not cool, bro. I mean, and the, but there are like sleazy tabloids that will do anything. Yeah, but everyone's sus but, at the end of the day. But Taylor Swift is also very powerful. Yes. And there could be a, a realm of, of hurt that I think could come from that. Like that bringing down a tabloid single-handedly. Yes. That might be untenable from it. I don't know. That's interesting. Just because I, I truly wonder <laughs> if the value of her, a, a photo of her naked is such that it's almost like a Pandora's box-like yes. situation. I'm imagining almost like a Poe, an Edgar Allan Poe-like short story in which the uh, the skeezy but a- enterprising uh, paparazzo does get the perfect picture of Taylor Swift naked yes. and tries to sell it, but every tabloid is like, we can't touch this. Yes. She'll destroy us. And it is like eventually bankrupted trying to sell this thing and is just left in his like flop house. The room. telltale nude. The telltale nude. Uh, flop house just staring at this picture of perfect naked Taylor Swift yeah. just sobbing as it taunts him on yeah. his dresser as he slowly goes broken insane. That is so good. The, my my other thought is that... Um, the telltale nude. The telltale nude. Uh, the, um, oh, fuck me. What is her name? She wrote, uh, that book. (laughs) You're going to have to be a little more specific. Just hold one second. Okay. So what I'm thinking of literarily referencing wise is the novel, The Goldfinch 
by Donatar, which is about a stole. It's about many things, but it's about a stolen painting that you cannot, if you filch a painting, you can't sell it because you will get caught. It's impossible to go to someone and be like, pay $25 million or whatever amount of money for this priceless work of art. You can't be done. It can only be used as like collateral. And so I'm wondering if like a Taylor Swift photo would somehow end up making it on the black market and like be exchanged for like a large crate of drugs or something. This is a good concept for a screenplay, copyright, and introducing 2017. Don't steal it. Don't steal it. Don't steal it. The telltale nude. The telltale nude. Anyway, this is, that was a long, uh, um, that was a long diversion, but that's we're just talking about lady pop stars, and there. Are I mean, it's lots a thing. It's it's crazy how how much when you become famous on that level, the very factors of your body and self mm-hmm. become valuable in those kinds of ways. I mean, it would be the same if I had a photo of fucking Justin Timberlake's dick; it would be valuable in some way. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking in my head. I'm like, would I really? Mm, eh, I don't Somebody know. Somebody would. I could wait. <laughs> do you think it's going to come out eventually <laughs> oh, I could actually imagine wait Justin Timberlake comes out doing like a nude DVD. scene in a, like a Lonely Island comedy yeah now that um, male dicks are featuring funny? prominently yeah. well they've always been funny True. but now that they're like uh, there's been the backlash of like we see women's parts all the time in premium cable shows and we never see male parts show us the male parts why did they not show that guy's fucked up dick in Game of Thrones <laughs> Show Grey Worm's fucked up dick. Oh my god. That's the only thing I want. The people want to know. I want to know. Okay, let's move on to Madonna on love. Madonna gets to talking about love toward the end of the interview. Um, So Carrie asks, uh, what's a good date? Movies? Dinner? Both. Dinner is really good. What kind of... (laughs) Dinner is really good. That's true. Mm. I do love a good dinner. What kind of restaurant? Where they have good margaritas. So a Mexican restaurant. No, I hate Mexican food. But Muse brackets in LA (laughs) has great margaritas. The lighting is really good there. You can't see the zits. (laughs) You can't see the zits that I always have. Um, I'm just quickly looking up to see if Muse is still open. Um, No, it's not. It's a Beverly Hills restaurant and it's closed. R.E.P. Muse, amazing margaritas. (laughs) Uh, Carrie asked, do you imagine getting married again like you got married before? No, Carrie, no, no. You don't make those kinds of mistakes twice. Brackets. She did. Oh get- no, th- this is this is my note. Which, <laughs> oh, okay. I guess uh, that wouldn't appear in the nineteen ninety one. Yes, interview. no, unless they could tell the future. Um, so Madonna did get married again to Guy Ritchie for eight years. Um, in the year two thousand. I just think it's funny because I feel like anytime a celebrity denies wanting to get married again, they in a always paper, get they married. Always do. You can't stay away. The matrimony yeah. it calls yeah. the night. Too bad that real strong power couple in 2000 and then a real spin for both of them in that time. And then they break up again and then they both kind of go on uh, uh, to, to have a, a resurgence. Although I heard that Guy Ritchie's uh, King Arthur movie was not, not great. Oh. Although I do love a good Guy Ritchie movie. So they did swept away together. Yeah. And so that was almost like the death knell in a lot of ways. I remember watching, you can't get past that. I remember watching a, uh, I remember watching a behind the scenes video of Guy Ritchie on swept away yes and it's just very depressing because he's very much there being like oh this movie is so bad why am i making this <laughs> oh, how am i going to how am i going to get over this what is, how do it just like how did i get here you can see the desperation this in is his not eyes. my beautiful film <laughs> yeah you see the desperation in his eyes looking around being like how do i solve the problem that is this film <laughs> how do you solve a problem like a shitty movie yeah 
Uh, Carrie says, so next time you'll just do it off to one side like a salad? Yeah, it'll be a side dish kind of thing. Just do and get it over with and it'll be something that just happened. Oh, by the way, I got married. No, I don't want to do it like that. I wouldn't want to treat it like coleslaw or anything. I guess I just like to think of it as spa cuisine versus a full 12 course meal. (laughs) Spa cuisine. So it's not, it's a salad, but it's main, it's the salad as a main course. Yeah, it's like a big ass Caesar. Yeah. This was, you know, sweet green didn't exist then. Things were different. Yeah. Uh, Salad as meal wasn't as appreciated in the early 90s. Yeah, I think they're talking circles around a bit of what's going on here. Which is that she's, well, I mean, she's in a relationship with Warren Beatty at the time. mm -hmm. So... But See, it, it was totally... Like, oh, sorry. Go ahead. That's also like the crazy thing. We were just talking about uh, Taylor Swift on Love uh, and talking about, you know, I am I just broke up with Harry Styles and I just don't I know. don't have the energy I, to like, I can't go on. I will go on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's type, type stuff. But it's like Harry Styles, Taylor Swift, very similar people in the same uh, level. Like it's known that they will date for a bit and it'll be a power couple. And then mm-hmm. like... 95% chance they'll break up within a year and move on and that'll yeah. be like a story for a while that was both in their like histories and they'll both each write a song or two about it blah mm-hmm. blah blah but at the same time we're hearing Carrie and Madonna talk about this in the same tones mm-hmm. but Madonna's dating Warren fucking Beatty yes Hollywood legend yes who puts her in direct continuum with like the entirety of of Hollywood history. This isn't just like her and Marky Mark having gone out for yes. six months. They this are is like, two equ- they're honestly on the same yeah. playing field in the sense that she's lending him like pop star credibility yeah. and freshness Re- and newness. relevance for his hot Dick Tracy movie that's yeah. going to come out. And he is her link to legacy. Hall- yeah, yeah, yeah. Hollywood history. So it's funny hearing those two same type of things going on where you know they're kind of joking talking about it oh is it a salad is it coleslaw no blah 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 <laughs> it's the same thing of taylor being like i'm just not not right now you yeah. know i'm not, I'm not gonna a, be a spencer I'm i bought not a, a cat new, lady yeah, i bought a new cat yet right i hope not but the weight even though the tone is the same and like taylor is like kind of pulling out of the same playbook but it's a natural playbook to pull out of mm-hmm. uh it's just funny how much heavier the weight is in the situation surrounding Madonna, because mm-hmm. here she is talking to like Carrie Fisher, who herself is linked mm-hmm. with like the entire story of of popular entertainment of the 20th century. It, yes. It's like all of these narratives, Indeedy. yeah, yeah. All of these narratives are like extremely commingled in this singular pop star who was just a girl from Michigan mm-hmm. until you know eight years earlier. Mm-hmm. I find it a, a little, uh, uh, you know, how, that's maybe why it feels like a bit of a carbon copy instead of mm-hmm. instead of something sincere when it comes from you know Taylor Swift or something because it's like I don't know. You've seen it before in a, in higher stakes. The coi- yeah, the coyness has been done. Yeah, because maybe Madonna invented it or just propagated it in the right way but i also feel like i'm just trying to think truly if there can be a female pop star who doesn't is not beholden to talk about her personal life or talk about it in that way yeah because like madonna seems to be she's it's not that line of questioning i don't think is like pissing her off i think at this point she's familiar with the idea that people are going to be interested in her personal life and yes. she's made her personal life her public life she had I mean, cameras follow her around and while all, she's like hanging out with her dancers like and people are interested in how she masturbates yes 
because she made it interesting. Yeah, exactly, right. So, you know, those things are like intrinsically tied. And I feel like any female pop star who sings about relationships and doesn't separate themselves as a character from, Mm -hmm. you know, in the song versus how they are in real life. It is fair game. But I also wonder, like, I don't know if you can be a successful female pop star and separate yourself. The only person I feel like who is doing it right now is like Lord. In the mm-hmm. sense that I feel like she's the most kind of, I don't want to say asexual because she's definitely had lyrics about sex. And she's also, she was also literally a teenager. So I feel like sexualizing <laughs> yeah. a teenager is fucking not fair game, even though teenagers are doing that kind of stuff. I don't know. It's it's funny that Taylor Swift in particular is someone who seems to get more and more annoyed as the years go on and, and I, people are like who are you dating and why are you dating and where well, are also, you dating and she's kind of like why why do you guys care but then she makes an entire album yes. about dating and that's the thing that i think people also get irritated from from taylor swift mm-hmm. Uh, is that she's centered that she plays the game as much as the game is played to her is mm-hmm. that she'll like release these songs that are and whole albums that are very specifically about very specific notable mm-hmm. relationships with other famos that she's had where she literally leaves clues in yeah. the liner notes that prove it is about them yeah, it yeah. is not there's a, it's not a matter of debate so then you're like as a consumer you know, either you're like really sincerely invested and in like, you know, following the the story of her life or like kind of rolling mm-hmm. your eyes being like, all right, well, I guess I got to freaking know who Taylor Swift was banging in the summer of 2015 to mm-hmm. like get the context of this pop song mm-hmm. uh, or whatever. But then I mean, but that's the essential thing is that, it, you know, both the public wants it both ways. Yes. In which they want this pop star to be a story a, a fiction, uh, an image, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a collection of Something songs and Something that they can put put their own projections onto. But then also wants to know all the, wants to get all the nudes and wants to know all the, the, the dirty details and mm-hmm. wants to know the literal ins and outs. And then the pop star wants to have it both ways where they can both be this image of themselves and also have this personal life to it. And mm-hmm. so playing that dance, that like kind of four quadrant dance. Of, mm-hmm. Who am I? Who do you want me to be? Who do I want you to think I am, and, and who, who am, am I? I? <laughs> it's interesting, it's, and there's yeah. never uh, there's never like a clarity to to it. Mm-hmm. So you always got to like read between these lines on every on every interview. And I feel like Madonna kind of did it first in a lot of ways, and she made had to. it look else. easy. Yeah, I mean, there's been lots of ink spilled about Madonna and the way she portrays herself and the way she wants to be portrayed. But like, I don't know. It also like reading it back as a full career. I'm kind of mm-hmm. like, I get it. Yeah. Cause you have, you have to be both explicit and forthcoming and also sort of put the, the veil over it. Yeah. With and, a wink and reading her talk about, cause I like doing some of that background for the, the, like where her career had come in mm-hmm. stuff. You hear her, the way she talks about things, even in that way in which she's putting up this like high artifice persona mm-hmm. is very honest and natural. And mm-hmm. like hearing her talk about the like a virgin controversy where she's like, everybody read all this like gross sex stuff into it. And I don't know. I mean, like I'm, it's like obviously she knows that it's going to be titillating, but she's mm-hmm. also thinking about it in like the most direct sense of it of like, oh, I was thinking about a kind of, you know, a new romance that makes you feel fresh and new and like. 
again, you kind of have to be like, okay, well, where's how much does he know that it's gonna be titillating? How much is he she playing the mm-hmm. like uh, naive girl? But you know, you get a sense that in a, in a way she's like, yeah, I grew up my entire childhood thinking about virginity and the concept of virginity, and I meant I wrote this song to mean it in the most literal sense of the thing. It didn't seem like that big of a deal to me. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? That's Gosh, Madonna. That's that's Madonna. So whenever she writes a mem. We'll, we'll be there. We'll be there. Ready to pick it over like vultures. I really want to make this song recommending feature at the end of these episodes make happen. Thing. Yeah. But I feel like both of us are just going to recommend Nine Inch Nails this week, right? Yeah, that sounds about right. Go listen to Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> we saw Nine Inch Nails last week and they were very good. Extremely good. They were a band that I never really investigated in because when I was growing up, I only saw them as something that was like, uh, gross mm-hmm. and perverted yeah. and they were only marketed to me as dirty and bad and they weren't marketed to me at all yes and all the people that I saw in like southwestern Ohio wearing nine inch nail shirts looked dose gross and dirty and perverted and bad <laughs> but now that it's 2017 and I'm uh, into a lot of different music you come up to me and you're like, hey, I got this band. They're like gross and perverted and dirty and bad. I'm like, oh, yeah, sign and me you up. And you can dance and to you them can dance to it. sometimes, usually. Yeah. I, re- uh, I would also recommend watching The Defiant Ones, the four-part documentary series of on which HBO, Nine Inch Nails are also. Uh, which Nine Inch Nails is featured in. Some interesting imagery from that and also the fact that Trent Reznor is like what a chief creative officer, officer yeah. at who knows Apple means. Music now yeah who knows what his his day-to-day looks like who knows what his his mm. iCal is filled with I want to specifically recommend my favorite song from that set which was copy of of yeah which reminded me a lot of a new order song it was good that's from 2013 it's more recent yes yeah. I remember it being released and being like oh cool nine the nin they still exist. They still exist. Chill. Uh, and I feel like, so I, I most likely just dropped in a, a clip of a copy of a copy in there. Uh, so that'll be one clip. I feel like we're clip light on this episode. Eh. So Molly, <laughs> what's your favorite? Oh, we know Ray of Light, right? Favorite Madonna? Yeah. Ray of Light is incredible. I've sang it at karaoke. It's hard to sing. It goes it's on also, a long time and it's a it lot of It goes on a long thing. time. It's very high end and it the her range is really high. Like I feel like Madonna is like a natural alto and like this is has some soprano shit that she belts and she does a great job and it's just a, at a good time like pre-millennium lots of optimism and excitement and like you know t- like what is terrorism or like you know anything shitty going on in the world. Uh, I got to say that I'm a sucker for some of those earlier, early 80s, um, very new wavy, lots mm-hmm. of synth part songs. So like Material Girl, uh, that like synth bridge in the middle of it. <laughs> that part. Material. Material. Almost a Devo. Oh, I would love to hear a Devo cover of Material Girl. I bet they've done something. Maybe I'll try to make that for the outro of this song. Okay. <laughs> or of this episode. Goals. Anyway. Madonna, very interesting. Yes. Did everything before anyone else did. Basically. Basically. Yeah. And now we're all living in the shadow. We're, we're all living in Madonna's world. Yeah. It's it's, our, it's Madonna's world and we're just we're just renting that abandoned synagogue in Look, it. Look, we are living in a material world and she is the material girl. <sighs> Done. Boom. Dab. <laughs> uh, this is a no dab podcast. Anyway. 
Thank you for listening. This has been another episode of And Introducing. We've got a bunch of really interesting memoirs, uh, some more silly, some more serious, some special guests coming up in the future. A lot of good stuff coming up on the pod. So yes. stay tuned and listen more. And in the meantime, follow us on Twitter at And Introducing Pod. Uh, we're not doing much there yet, but we'll do more sometime soon. I think we should just do like mm, quotes. Deep in the tweets. Quotes from, from, from various things that we're reading. Uh, anyway, that's at And Introducing Pod. Follow us, uh, send us an email at and introducing pod at gmail.com we would love to hear from you i would love to get questions or messages we could read them on the show it would be more messages quemsages quemsages uh and our soundcloud is at soundcloud.com slash and intro pod follow us there or just use it to listen online while you're at work i don't know soundcloud.com slash and dash intro dash pod Whatever you do at SoundCloud. I don't know. I like SoundCloud. It's a good site. Uh, remember to subscribe to us on iTunes. Just go ahead and subscribe to us. Just go ahead and subscribe. Uh, and when you should do, you should rate and review, too. It really helps other people find us, I've heard. Apparently. Apparently. Yeah. Apparently. We need more reviews. Look, my friend's Ballers podcast has four reviews on it. Five reviews on it. I want to get us up to fucking six reviews. That's right. We're trying to beat... <laughs> Balling out. Balling out. The Ballers, the premier Ballers podcast. Do us a solid. Do us a solid. Rate, review, and subscribe. Um, I've, <laughs> I've gotten wild with this call to action, but just go do, find a way to interact with us online. This interact week. with us online. It's helpful. It helps us. Touch us through the web. Mm-hmm. I want to feel like a virgin getting followed for the very first time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but until then. Uh, I've been Chris Wade. I'm Molly O'Brien. And we'll see you to... <laughs> I, I never know what to do after that. We'll see you at some point down the road. And we'll talk to you soon.